This is Judges 6. Uh, we're doing verses 1 to 32. Um, but I'm going to be reading from the message. Yet again, the people of Israel went back to doing evil in God's sight. God put them under the domination of Midian for seven years. Midian overpowered Israel. Because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves hideouts in the mountains, caves and forts. When Israel planted its crops, Midian and Amalek, the Easterners, would invade them, camp in their fields and destroy their crops all the way down to Gaza. They left nothing for them to live on, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. Bringing their cattle and tents, they came in and took over like an invasion of locusts. They and their camels passed counting. They marched in and devastated the country. The people of Israel, reduced to grinding poverty by Midian, cried out to God for help. One time, when the people of Israel had cried out to God because of Midian, God sent them a prophet with this message. God, the God of Israel, says, I delivered you from Egypt. I freed you from a life of slavery. I rescued you from Egypt's brutality and then from every oppressor. I pushed them out of your way and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am God, your God. Don't for a minute be afraid of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But you didn't listen to me. One day, the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizite whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress, out of sight of the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Gideon replied, With me, my master? If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about, telling us, God, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He has turned us over to Midian. But God faced him directly. Go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, Me, my master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. And God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. Gideon said, if you're serious about this, do me a favor. Give me a sign to back up what you're telling me. Don't leave until I come back and bring you my gift. He said, I'll wait till you get back. And Gideon went and prepared a young goat and a huge amount of unraised bread. He used over a half bushel of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and took them back under the shade of the oak for a sacred meal. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and unraised bread, place them on that rock and pour the broth on them. And Gideon did it. The angel of God stretched out the tip of the stick he was holding and touched the meat and the bread. Fire broke out of the rock and burned up the meat and bread while the angel of God slipped away out of sight and Gideon knew it was the angel of God. And Gideon said, Oh no, Master God, I have seen the angel of God face to face. But God reassured him, 
Easy now, don't panic, you won't die. Then Gideon built an altar there to God and named it God's Peace. It's still called that at Ophrah of Ebezer. That night, this happened. God said to him, take your father's best young, um, best seven-year-old bull, the prime one. Tear down your father's Baal altar and chop down the Asherah fertility pole beside it. Then build an altar to God, your God, on the top of this hill. Take the prime bull and present it as a whole burnt offering using firewood from the Asherah pole that you cut down. Gideon selected ten men from his servants and did exactly what God had told him. But because of his family and the people in the neighborhood, he was afraid to do it openly, so he did it that night. Early in the morning, the people in town were shocked to find Baal's altar torn down, the Asherah pole beside it chopped down, and the prime bull burning away on the altar that had been built. They kept asking, who did this? Questions and more questions, and then answers. Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son. He must die. Why? He tore down the Baal altar and chopped down the Asherah tree. But Joash stood up to the crowd, pressing in on him. Are you going to fight Baal's battles for him? Are you going to save him? Anyone who takes Baal's side will be dead by morning. If Baal is a god, in fact, let him fight his own battles and defend his own altar. They nicknamed Gideon that day Jeroboam, because after he had torn down the Baal altar, he said, let Baal fight his own battles. So I think about understanding mission this morning, kind of start of a series um, just out of the resurrection. What does that mean? And I thought Yanni put it really well, just how do we be carriers of the, the good news? And that's, that's what it's about. And um, I want to talk this morning just about uh, some lessons from the life of Gideon, just the call of Gideon. We probably all know the story of what Gideon goes on to do, but that's not what we're going to look at here. We're just going to look at what Anna read in terms of how God called Gideon. And what we'll draw out this morning are three things that um, are stages that we're going to have to go through. Uh, if we are to learn to be carriers of the good news. And those three things we're going to think about are identity, availability, and obedience. Okay, we'll look at those in the story of Gideon. So, you know, the story starts uh, with, it's, it's a bad time. So it says that it's all going wrong. You know, if you look at what, what does Midian mean as a word, it means strife. So strife is on the land. They've got famine. The Israelites are hanging out in caves. And they're just trying to survive. And um, they're saying, God, where are you in this? And God sends a prophet. And God says, I'm here. I haven't gone away. It's actually you've gone away from me. When you think back to the story of the Exodus and up through to Joshua and going into the promised land, what God said to the Israelites is, look, I want you guys, I want you to be a distinctive people. You know, you're not to intermarry. You know, you're not to take on the false gods of the land around you. And over time, they've become diluted. They've lost their identity. You know, you know get, later on, we get to, um, you know, to the end of the chapter. You can see even in Gideon's family, he's got you know, a bar altar, and he's got um, the Asherah pole, which was like the fertility god of, of the time. And 
Israel have lost their way. They've lost their distinctiveness. They've lost their identity. And, you know, into this story, you've got, um, you've got Gideon. And when we come across Gideon, Gideon is um, threshing wheat in a wine press. I don't know, Ben, if you've got the um, picture there of the, the threshing floor. That's what a threshing floor is meant to look like, okay? It's meant to be out in the open. And apparently what you do is you, you get the wheat, you toss it up in the air, and the wind does the work for you. The wind blows the chaff out of the wheat. Just put up the wine press. That's a wine press. It's down in the ground. It's the opposite. You know, Gideon's trying to thresh wheat there. You can't even, you know, it's hard work. But actually, if he does get the chaff out, all he's doing is suffocating. And there's this picture of it's going wrong. Gideon's not um, living. The people of Israel aren't living. All they're focused on is surviving. It's not how God meant it, meant it to be for them. And it's, you know, it's into this scenario that, um, you know, that the angel of the Lord comes and, and speaks to Gideon. And the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, mighty warrior. And that's the meaning of Gideon's name. It means one who hews down. You know, and Gideon doesn't feel like a mighty warrior. It's like, you know, mighty warrior, who? Me? You, you know, you're talking, you're, talking, you're talking to me here. And... Um, yeah, God says to Gideon, mighty warrior, go in the strength that you have. And Gideon, you know, Gideon knows this isn't right. And I just will step out of the story for a minute. And you know, if we're to understand mission, if we're to be carriers of the good news, then we need to rediscover our identity. We need to know that our identity is in God. You know, it might be that for some of us this morning, we're, um, you know, we're a bit like Israel. Over time, we've become diluted. You know, we've got false gods in our lives. You know, it's so easy to get diluted over time. You know, possessions, family, nice houses, all things that are good, but they dilute us over time, and we lose that distinctive edge to who we are. Or, <clears throat> you know, it might be that we lose sight of what God sees in us. You know, God came along to Gideon and said, mighty warrior, God could see what he wanted Gideon to be. He could see what was there in Gideon. He says, go in the strength that you have. What he meant by that is, I'm with you, Gideon. Just put up the um, picture of the car, Ben. That's a car that's um, apparently is an E-type Jaguar. I'm not an expert on cars. It's going to auction later this year. It's rare. You know, it's incredibly well restored. Just flip on to the next one. That was it two years ago. <laughs> it was sitting in a farmyard in France, being used as a bird's nest. And somebody went along and saw it, and they spent thousands of hours restoring that car. And that, for me, is a picture of how God sees us. You know, God looked at the people of Israel. God looked at Gideon. And what we've got here in the story of Gideon is how God uses one person to restore a nation, and then uses that nation to try and bring about the kingdom of God in the world. That was his plan. And in that picture of the car, you know, somebody saw the potential that was there. And then they put in the work. And that's, you know, that, for me, is an image of God with us. God looks at all of us this morning and says, look, I can see the potential in all of you. You, know, you have the potential to be the finished, you know, the finished article, the fully restored article. But it's going to need thousands of hours of work. And I think the invitation to us, if we want to be carriers of the good news, is first of all to get hold of our identity. That's get hold of our identity as a church and to get hold of our identity as individuals here this morning. And, you know, when, you know we looked at, um, we were looking at Acts last, last term with Foundation, and, you know, what was striking is 
you know, how a bunch of uneducated guys changed the world. And it started with they were sure of their identity. There was no ambivalence in their mind. There was no, we we'll have, um, you know, what are we living for? They were very clear. What are they living for? Yanni was just really clear there in terms of what she shared, what she was living for. And, you know, whether we're going out to Africa or whether we're going into the workplace or school, it doesn't matter. It's about starting with knowing who our identity is and what our identity is, and it's in God, and having that courage to live for that audience of one. And that's where Israel had gone wrong. They were saying, God, where are you? God's saying, I'm always here. You've just lost your way, guys. You've become diluted. You need to rediscover your identity. And the same, you know, same for you, Gideon. So we've got the first thing is, is um, identity. second thing is availability. So God says to Gideon, you know, verse, verse 15, he says, go in the strength that you have. And um, you know, Gideon says to God, what, me? You know, look, I don't have any strength. You know, the NIV translation is, you know, I'm coming from the smallest tribe in Israel, Manasseh, and the weakest clan. Now, I like the message translation. I'm the runt of the litter. <laughs> you know, Gideon's reaction to this is, God, I'm not ready for this. I'm not the right person. And that's a familiar pattern throughout Scripture. You can think about um, Moses. Yeah, Moses you know, God's saying to Moses, go and talk to Pharaoh. And Moses is, I'm not ready. I can't do this. And God says, go anyway. Well, you think about Jeremiah. Yeah, he says, I'm too young. God says, go anyway. I was reading Esther recently. You know, it's a world, you know, Esther, the book of Esther, it's set in when, you know, if you're a man and you approach the king without being summoned, you get your head chopped off. And then God says to Esther, a woman, I want you to approach the king. And she says, I can't do this. And he says, do it. I'm with you. And you know, the story unfolds. And the point, for, you know, the point for me is this, is that it's not about our ability. It wasn't about Gideon's ability. It was about his availability. And that's a consistent pattern through, you know, through Scripture. When God you know, invites us to um, step out into something, we're never going to feel ready. Never. And that's the whole point. You read on to chapter 7, and um, you know, Gideon raises an army. And he, you know, he raises an army of 32,000 people. And God says, that's too many. Cut it down. So get down to 10,000. And God says, that's still too many. You know, the danger is, even with 10,000, you might think, you did it. Cut it down some more. So they get it down to 400. And then with 400 people, they you know, defeat what is you know, probably tens or hundreds of thousands of Midianites. And you know, that's the point with God. God, you know, God wants us to be um, available. The availability is more important than the ability. We're never going to feel ready for God, whether as a church or as individuals this morning. If God asks us to set, step out into something, we're never going to feel ready for it. And that's normal with God, and it's something we need to expect. And then the second part of that for Gideon is his offering. So, yeah, Gideon at this point doesn't realize it's God, but he's starting to dawn something's going on here. So he says, can I go away and make a, you know, you know, make, make a gift to you? And he go, goes away, and um, you know, so he, make, he makes a, an offering of you know, a, a meal of a goat, but you know, the bit that we probably don't get, particularly when we read it at the NIV, is it says like an, he makes some uh, unleavened bread, which is like an, an ephah of flour, so you start doing some research, and you realize an ephah of flour is, is a huge amount. It's 22 liters. And it talks in the message about you know, a huge, huge amount of bread. 
And just cast our mind back. You know, we've said, we've been told at the start of this chapter there's, um, there's a famine going on in the land. You know, times are hard. Yet Gideon responds with this hugely generous offering. And I think when God comes to us and says, look, this is what I want you to do, when God taps us on the shoulder, you know, there is going to be that sense of, I can't do this. It's overwhelming. I don't have the strength for it. But God says, go anyway. And then there's a question of how are we going to go then? Are we going to go cautiously, you know, sort of one foot in that camp, one foot in that camp, or are we going to respond all in? Because that's where Gideon was. Gideon was all in. You know, he takes this massive amount of flour when there isn't much and says, God, that's for you. And I find that really challenging because, you know, I'm someone who takes calculated risks. And like, you know, when, you know, when God comes to us, he doesn't want us to take calculated risks. He says, I want you to step out and trust me. And, you know, when I look at, um, when I look at scripture, what, what I see is that there are a number of um, things that um, seem to invite God's presence or a number of things that, you know, you, you, when, when they're present, God moves. You know, one of them is compassion. You know, when we show compassion... God seems to move. You know, another one is faith. You know, when we step out and we go right out of our comfort zone, as Gideon's going to do here, then God moves. And then the third one is obedience, which we'll come to in a minute. So you know, the point for me is this, that you know, the first thing we need to discover as individuals and as a church is, you know, is to be sure in our identity and to be unambiguous in our identity. You know, but the second is, in terms of making ourselves available, it's expecting that we're going to be scared, but then responding in a way that's all in, that takes us out of our comfort zone. That's normal with God. Then the third part of Gideon's story is obedience. So you know, Gideon's gone through identity. This is who I see you can be, Gideon, mighty warrior. He's gone through availability. Okay, here I am. I'm going to respond to that. I'm going to offer up. I'm going all in. Then he gets the obedience piece, where God comes to him that night and says, Right, this is what I want you to do then. And it's challenging. It starts at home. It starts in his own backyard. He's got to go and kill his family's prime bull. He's got to go and take down the Baal altar, and he's got to chop down the Asherah pole. You know, that is the equivalent to, you know, today probably of, I don't know, empty the bank account, sell the house, whatever it is. That's how dominant you know, the Baal and the Asherah was in, 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 in the culture. And, you know, the, the, the bull being wealth. And God says to Gideon, you need to start. You need to start at home here. And, you know, I, you know, I know my, my own story that um, you, know, you go through that identity, you go through that availability, and it gets to obedience. You know, God puts a line in the sand, and he invites us to step over it. He doesn't force us to step over it, usually. It's an invitation. We've got to take that courage to step over it ourselves. And when we do step over it, often we find then there's another line in the sand which God also invites us to step over. And the more lines we cross, the more we start to have confidence in, in God and see God come through and deliver. But the converse is also true, that the less we cross, the more our hearts harden a bit, and we don't hear God that next time. We're less likely to make that move next time. And if you look at what happens to Gideon in this story, you know, there was fear involved for him. He, you know, he went out and did it in the dead of night because he was scared. But he went out and did it. That was the main thing. And there was a backlash. You know, when the people of the town discovered it the next morning, you know, it, it, there was a backlash on him. And I think this, you know, it's going to be the same for us. You know, if, when, when God 
invites us to step into something, to, you know, to be obedient to something, it's probably going to be scary. And it may well involve you know, a backlash. But God says, do it anyway. And so, I think, um, as we're grappling over the next few weeks, of, you know, what, what, is, what, is, what does understanding mission look like for us as a church? What does understanding mission look like for us as individuals? I think those are three key lessons that you know, we need to um, apply in our lives. You know, identity, knowing that, look, my life's about you, God. You know, I'm not going to be diluted. I'm going to see, I'm going to rediscover what you see in me and how you see me. I'm going to live my life for that audience of one. And we need to rediscover um, you know, the availability. Recognize it's not about our ability. We're never going to feel ready for God. And when God taps us on the shoulder, there's always going to be a stepping out. And the question is, how are we going to step out? Are we going to step out all in? Or are we going to step out cautiously and nervously? And then there's the obedience piece, which is you know, when God might come and say, specifically, this is a line in the sand I'd like you to cross, or I'm going to invite you to cross. This is something I'd like you to do. That can be scary, but that's normal. That's not unusual. And are we willing to do that? So what we're going to do now is um, we're going to have an opportunity to, um, to respond. And I think when I look at those three things, I don't think they're, they're not things that you can sort of tick off and say, that's it, I've done it, I'm, you know, I've learned that lesson. They're ongoing lessons through life. And you look at um, you know, the Acts and the Acts of the Apostles and, and you see that you know, they grasped their identity, they made themselves available, they went all in and they were obedient, but there's this continuous cycle. It was tough. I'm struck by we, when we were looking at um, you know, the story of Ananias and Sapphira as, a, as, as, as the foundation group. It was hard because you know, it gets to the end and it says, basically, um, people were f- scared of the church because they'd seen the power of God and were afraid to join it. But in the same verse, it then says, but thousands joined the church daily. Um, yeah, it says thousands joined the church daily. So there's this sense of as they stepped out, you know, God will divide. You know, there's some people be drawn to it and there'll be some people who be pushed away by it. But that's God's responsibility, not ours. So what, what we're going to do now is we're going to have um, a time response. And I think, you know, we're all on this journey together. Um, you know, nobody's got identi- identity buttoned down. Nobody's got availability buttoned down. Nobody's got obedience buttoned down. And it's an ongoing thing. Um, and this applies to us as individuals. It applies to us as a church. So what we're going to invite you to do is, um, in the next few minutes... We'd love it if everybody here, or as many people as possible, are up out of their seats. And for those of you who feel that at the moment, look, I need to, God, I just need to reaffirm my identity in you. I need to reaffirm this is who I am. This is who, how, you know, I want to live for you, God. Then we're going to invite you to go and stand on that side of the church, Okay. And for those of you who maybe are in a place where you feel you need to say to God, I'm available. I'm available and I want to go all in for you, God. We're going to invite you guys to go and stand at the back of the church. And for those of you who may be in a place of obedience where you feel there's something specific that God is really inviting you to do and to step into, 
we're going to ask you to go and stand on that side of the church. Okay? So identity, availability, obedience. And for all the rest of you, we're going to ask you to get up and go to one of those as well. Okay? And just stand with the people who are there. You don't need to say anything. All we want you to do is pray for the people who are there. For those of you who feel that God's putting, some, you know, putting something, you know, prompting you about something, if you want somebody to pray for you, then please just ask one of the people around you to pray for you. But otherwise, just, you know, if you're standing with people there, just go and stand with them and just pray, God bless whatever you're doing with this person right now, okay? And we're going to do that because um, I actually believe, you know, symbolically getting up out of our seats, it's important to show, God, we're, we're listening to you, we're responding to this place, and we're journeying with one another on this. It's, on a, vo- it's a voyage of discovery together. And as we do that, you know, Rich and the band will come back up, and we're just going to see where it goes from there in terms of, um, you know, just in terms of worship. And, you know, I really feel this morning as well that, um, you know, one of the things that was in Gideon's life was, you know, he had to deal with the legacy of family. And, uh, you know, just as I was preparing this morning, I've got, you know, just wondering if there's, if there's somebody here who you feel God's calling you to something, and actually you feel perhaps it's family calling you back, whether that's physical family or church family. Um, and if that's for you this morning, I think you just need to know that, you know, God's saying, step out, trust me, and be obedient to me first. So, yeah, that's 30 seconds, and then I'm going to say go, and get up and go to one of those, one of those spots.